I'd like to welcome you all to Sunday service here at Ananda Village in the Temple of Light. I am Naya Swami Parvati. This is Naya Swami Pranabha, and we're very happy to be here with you today. I'll read from Rays of the One Light, week 49. What is it to fail spiritually? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. The first passage is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 25. Jesus tells the parable of the ten virgins, five of them wise and five foolish. They await their bridegroom, the Christ consciousness. The wise virgins keep the oil in their lamps, symbolic of their devotion, lit through the night. The foolish virgins place no oil in their lamps. These foolish ones are like the average devotee, going through the motions of outer ritual, but keeping no fire of love burning in the heart. When the bridegroom's coming is announced, the foolish virgins realize their mistake and hasten out to purchase oil. During their absence, the Christ consciousness comes and embraces those who have been awaiting him with devotion. The foolish ones, by their lackluster devotion, are not accepted by him. Watch, therefore, Jesus told his listeners, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. In Autobiography of a Yogi, Paramhansa Yogananda describes the foolish virgin consciousness he encountered at the Mahamandal hermitage he stayed in as a young man in Benares. I was pleased, he wrote, that my new home possessed an attic where I managed to spend the dawn and morning hours. The ashram members, knowing little of meditation practices, thought I should employ my whole time in organizational duties. They gave me praise for my afternoon work in their office. Don't try to catch God so soon. This ridicule accompanied one of my early departures toward the attic. Later during meditation, I felt lifted as though bodily to a sphere uncircumscribed. Thy master cometh today. A divine womanly voice came from everywhere and nowhere. This supernal experience was pierced by a shout from a definite locale. A young priest nicknamed Habu was calling me from the downstairs kitchen. Mukunda, enough of meditation. You are needed for an errand. The Divine Mother's words were not spoken for the benefit of that priest, the foolish virgin, but for Mukunda, the wise virgin. For this was the day his guru, Sri Yukteswar, came to him. Grieve not, friends, if you feel that you have been foolish. No error is forever. 
Someday, if you keep your lamp lit now, your opportunity will come. In the Bhagavad Gita, the sixth chapter, Krishna promises every devotee, Arjuna, none who works for self-redemption will ever meet an evil destiny. Spiritual failure, though a deep disappointment, is always temporary. Eternal hellfire is but a projection of vindictiveness in the human mind. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. Welcome, everyone. I'd like to read to you one of the prayer demands from Yogananda's Whispers from Eternity. This is one that's a little bit longer, not too long, so I invite you to, with your eyes closed, relax and feel these words alive in your own consciousness. It's titled, Come into the Garden of My Dreams. In the garden of my dreams grew many dream blossoms. All the rarest flowers of my fancy bloomed there. Unopened buds of earthly hopes audaciously opened their petals to the fulfillment they anticipated, warmed by the light of my dreams. In that dim glow, I spied the specters of beloved, long-forgotten faces, ghosts of dear, dead feelings long buried in the soil of my mind, rising, all of them, in shining robes. I beheld all my past experiences resurrected by the trumpet call of my dream thoughts. O King of all my dreams and of countless worlds, in thy garden of dream galaxies. Let me be a tiny star twinkling by thy side as a beloved dream in thy chamber of cosmic dreams. Or if I be not a star bead strung on the garland of thy dreams, then let me have the humblest place at the heart of all thy dreams. In the chamber of thy heart shall I behold the making of all the noble dreams of life O master weaver of spells, teach me to make a many-hued carpet of them for all to walk upon who love thy pattern of dreams as they travel to the temple of eternity beyond all dreams. Let me join worshiping choirs of angels and with them offer on thy altar of infinity a bouquet of all shining dreams of thee. You know, it's challenging it's difficult for some of it at times to realize that God's grace is always with us and never diminished. It isn't as if God says, I'm only going to give this much to you and more to this person. That grace is always there. It's part of really who we are. Of course, what happens is that we become very evolved in blocking that grace. We've endeavored through the choices of many lifetimes, and perhaps this current lifetime, to 
choose to go in a direction or directions that end up putting a block, a wall, to that divine grace. But it's always important for us to remember that that grace is always available. It may seem from the perspective of maya, of delusion, of duality, that our sight just isn't able to see the divine. Our consciousness, our intuition, isn't able to feel that experience through our inner thoughts. And it may seem really intensely real. It may seem that without hesitation, the reality is I've spiritually failed. We've all felt that. We've all gone through that experience. Lately, I was thinking about that term. Well, the title of today's reading, what is it to spiritually fail? And I may be off target here, uh, so either bear with me or enjoy what I'm saying. But I started to shift some time ago from this idea of spiritually failing to that spiritual failures happen through me. Interesting shift, isn't it? I don't mean to say of that not being responsible for those choices, those actions that have caused seemingly the spiritual failure, but to be responsible to that previous decision, that action, that thought, but to shift it from that that's my identity to something that is happening through me or has happened through me. Because what it does is fundamental to us to really shift the intensity that can happen from maya and delusion. Because there just are times when we will get caught. I remember one time decades ago that Parvati and I had a discussion with Swami Kriyananda. And I was explaining something to him of a discussion I had with a devotee at one point. And suddenly he got very stern. And with very strong words, he just really was clear to me um, about what I had done was not appropriate. I mean, it was just, it almost, you know, like when you get hit in the stomach or fall in your stomach and you, your wind is gone, the air is gone, you feel that. That's what it felt like. It was just like, oh my God. Um, I just felt it was just, oh, I could barely breathe. And, uh, and I couldn't even respond to what he was saying. It was so overwhelming to me. And, um, but he ended by blessing both Parvati and myself. And, but I carried the, the reaction I had to what Swamiji said to me for some time and just felt really, not 100%, but close 
to that I'd really spiritually failed. And then as not that long afterwards, I started to reassess, introspect in a different way, and really start to look at that a spiritual failure had happened through me. But it took some, it took some work on my part to, I mean, I was in tears for days when I would think about what happened right after it happened. It was very impacting. But at a certain point, that was released. And I was able to look at it more objectively, more with a sense of, what do I do with this that I can gain the spiritual essence that I believe Swamiji was trying to offer me, but I needed it in a, in a strong, stern way. Well, you know, to this day, I refer back to that experience as probably one of the most important factors in my spiritual growth. Because it empowered me to really feel a deeper truth, a deeper awareness. You know, a few days ago, we had the, the 75th anniversary event for the publish, publication of the Autobiography Yogi by our guru, Paramahans Yogananda. And it was interesting for my seclusion, which was just a few weeks ago, I thought, I'm going to take the Autobiography of a Yogi with me to read. Reread, obviously. I mean, I counter at one point that probably I've read and reread the autobiography from start to finish probably 30 times. And probably numerous other times I've picked it up to read a specific chapter or a specific part of a chapter. But I think a lot of us have had this experience where you start reading this scripture and it feels like it is so deeply inspiring again, so refreshing again, so real to our lives again. It felt like the dearest, deepest old friend uh, that was coming back to greet me one more time. And, you know, I think for a lot of us, we know, in a sense, the book inside out. But what I felt I was doing again was being more inside, just being with it in a very dear way. And I felt the power, because I first read it when I was 19 in 1974. It was the book I took with me to read on my uh, almost year-long travels through Europe. And it became very precious. But unlike a lot of people, I took a long, long time to read it for the first time, because it was so much of a treasure, I didn't want to get through it uh, that fast. So it took me about four weeks to read it the first time I read it. And then I had this dilemma. I was in Wales, where I couldn't read the street signs um, because of Welsh language. But I met someone who was the hostel keeper of the youth hostel somewhere in Wales that I was staying. Because I'd been thinking, I'm about to finish this book, and it's more than a book. It's my heart connection. And 
what am I to do with it? And so I kept it, uh, even after I finished reading it for a while. And then I came upon this hostel keeper. He was my age, maybe a few years older, in his early 20s perhaps. And I, I broached it with him. I've got a very special book. I would like to give it to you because of our conversations have been very enlightening. And they were. He had a spiritual focus in his life. And he was just overjoyed with it. And I felt this is a sign that this is the energy continuing forward. But in my seclusion, one of the things that popped out perhaps more dynamically than all the other dynamic stories, you know, all the sages and saints that Master meets in his youth and then meeting his master, Sri Tishwar, and, and onward and on, upward. I still haven't finished it, by the way, and that was several weeks ago I started again. So um, I'm about two-thirds of the way through this time. But one of the things that really dynamically just was there for me was the, in the chapter in my years in my master's hermitage, when um, in response to some of the young disciples in Swami Sri Tishwar's hermitage, of being full of doubt uh, that they weren't worthy to grow spiritually, having that sense of spiritual failure. And these are the words from Swami Sri Tishwar. Forget the past. The vanished lives of all men are dark with many shames. Human conduct is ever unreliable until anchored in the divine. Everything in future will improve if you are making a spiritual effort now. I mean, it just rung so deeply in my soul and in my heart. It just felt like such a promise, such a revelation, personally, as it probably has touched all of you and everyone that's read the book, or even heard just me saying that, that it touches you. It's, it's so deep, it's so real. It's not just a spiritual teaching. It's that gift of tuning in to the experience that whatever has happened, whatever those dark shames may be that reflect, in a sense, that failing spiritually, they aren't who we are. They're not the description of what is real in our lives in this moment. And that last line, that everything in future will improve if you are making a spiritual effort now. That's, that's something, it's like the soul call being answered. It's like the fresh air uh, coming into a stale room where there's been no circulating air. It just is something that allows us to know who we are truly. You know, in the essence of the Bhagavad Gita, actually where this reading from the Gita comes from in chapter six, there is a lot uh, that I'd encourage you to read. Um, that the commentaries that Swami Kriyananda gives based on Paramahansa Yogananda's teachings on this, uh, he says there are three primary ways that, you know, we, we miss the mark spiritually, in a sense. Yeah, we have the spiritual failures happening through us. 
And one is that the devotee gets this strong inspiration and is touched by the spiritual take, teachings. There's an awakening. There's a real experience that happens. But there's not enough adhesiveness, in a sense, for it to stay. And the world comes and pulls. Uh, you know, it may seem just in innocent, innocuous ways. But the pull is there, the tug is there. And the soul chooses in little ways, in larger ways, more larger ways, to be involved in the world more. But there's always that possibility because the soul has refreshed its so-called connection with the divine. And things can happen for that soul to emerge through the sheaths, the layers, the koshas of maya. The second way that we can fall short is that we really are there beyond that initial phase of the enthusiasm and the initial inspiration that we've all been touched by. And we continue, but we become more complacent. Jyotish, yesterday evening in his talk for the Kriyabhans ceremony, talked about this in terms of Kriya, that we can become complacent. I think all of us would raise our hands if I asked you if you've been complacent at times in the techniques, in your attitudes, in your energy. It's easy to just be in a plateau where you're making do. You're just okay with things. And you feel the divine touch. You feel the divine experience. But you're resting on good karma. You're resting on the laurels of, of putting that in motion. But the challenge that can happen to devotees is we face the final exam, that of death, of leaving the body, is that there can be the doubt that says, has this all been worth it? You know, maybe it would have been better just to uh, aim at the astral plane where things are beautiful and everything is is conducive to more spirituality. But the devotee should not rest. And the way that we can understand that practically is that how can we nurture a refinement in every aspect of our lives? Not just our sadness, not just our spiritual focus, but in the mundane things of life. How can we refine, how can we open up more to that divine presence? Because if we continue that way, the dynamic gift of God's grace will ever be anew. It will never be just, okay, it's more that, wow, this is possible. The third way that the devotee falls short is a very intriguing one, is that when the devotee gets to the end of life and he has momentum, but for whatever reasons, he hasn't reached the stage of becoming a jivan mukta, freed while living. So the gift there 
is that as that soul moves into the astral realm, that focus, that awareness, that refinement of the divine continues to be the dynamic thrust of that soul's experience. And often in that point, the soul chooses not to spend much time in that beautiful astral plane because there is the awareness that coming back, dealing with the karma here in this physical realm is the speediest way to come to that realization of the divine once more for the soul. But then it says that 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 soul that's dynamic in that ongoing attunement with the divine, when it is reborn, it has the rare birth often of being born in a spiritual family. All of us, I think, really are in that experience. That even if we don't recognize that we've been born in a spiritual family, we've been born in this spiritual family. We've been giving this blessing of what Master has brought through all of us at Ananda. And so it is a great blessing for us to really live more consciously with our hearts open, with our sense of always offering, with a refinement of every aspect of our lives. Because everything in future will improve if we are making a spiritual effort now. Blessings to you. He turned that and entered the holy.
Spotlight. 